Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Katie. Hey, Brittany. So today I want to talk about something that I'm honestly shocked we've never done an episode on before um, in the four years we've been doing this, and that is the Boston Tea Party. I'm I'm honestly shocked. I think it's because I've done a lot on the Boston Massacre that uh. I thought about like I just maybe like equated in my head that we had done it but yeah Boston check (laughs) Boston there's so many things that happen in Massachusetts and Boston specifically which actually was really interesting to me while I was doing the show notes because I'm like Boston was such a hub for all the like real radical stuff that happened Mm -hmm. during the revolution because I think of Sons of Liberty you know Sam Adams and and the real like rebels of the of the pre-revolution I should call it and it seems to be in Boston. And I think, what was it? There's a, one of the conference halls there was called the Cradle of Liberty. Is right? Is it mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, or is it Philadelphia? No, it was Boston, I believe. And I think I only know that from National Treasure, which is one of my favorite movies that of all time. So <laughs> I love <Yes>. it. <laughs> um, so we've definitely mentioned some things about it, like in passing, like we did a great episode on um, Sarah Bradley Fulton, I think was her name. She was the mother of the Boston Tea Party. So maybe go back and, and listen to that episode because that one's really great. We talk about some some behind the scenes stuff. But I want to actually focus on the Boston Tea Party um, because it, it had it, it was three years before the Revolutionary War, and this is when things are really heating up. And just to put it in perspective, I think that the okay, so this is 1773. If I am not mistaken, the Boston Massacre was 1770. I think I am correct on that because I remember I was actually confused that it happened before. I thought it happened after. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so this is after that, but this is like in the thick of it. Like people are getting restless. People are are ready to, uh, revolt. So mm-hmm. this is where we hear, this is like what made famous the whole no taxation without representation. Like usually when you learn it in school, that's like what you learn, right? You learn about people, people doing that, which of course means they, they were getting taxed on things that they had no representatives to, to speak on their behalf. They weren't allowed to speak on their behalf. This was people, thousands and thousands of miles away in England making rules for the colonists when they didn't understand really anything that was going on there. They were they were really foreigners, if you think about it, because the soldiers were quartered there, right? But the king didn't know anything going on. Mm-hmm. So it's it's crazy. That would be like that would be like Britain making laws for us now. I think we'd all laugh at that. I hope so, at least. Who knows? The world <laughs> would have gotten crazy. So as I said, there was already a lot of tension leading up to the war. This is this is in the middle of all the when you read the Declaration of Independence, there's all those grievances and this is right smack dab in the middle of some of those. So there was a tea act and that was created or that created like a monopoly over the tea. It was the East was it East India? Yeah, trading company I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and basically they were saying that only that company could um sell tea to the colonists. So and it was very highly taxed. And they had no say over that. And you might be thinking, like, tea, why do they care? Just drink something else. But um, that was a big deal because they are still coming from Britain. And so tea is actually a very big part of the culture. Uh, and, I mean, I have a cup of tea every night. I love tea. I'm a big tea drinker. But it's funny to me because, yeah, I know people will say that. But it was, one, tea was a very big part of of their lives. And, two, it was the principle of the matter, right? They They shouldn't have had to be forced to buy tea from one company and they shouldn't have been taxed like crazy for it. And so that really angered them. So December 16th, 1773 in Boston, it's very cold, very, very cold. Um, 
the colonists, some of them, not all of them, this small group engaged in these this act of political protest. And they went down to what was called Griffin's Wharf, and they were dressed as Mohawk Indians. So they had they had you know face paint on. And if you remember the mother of the Boston Tea Party episode, she was the one that helped do their makeup and then helped them take it off really quick. And the reason they did that was not to blame it on on you know Native Americans. All they did that because you have to remember if they had been caught doing that. I don't know if it would have been treason, but it may have been. The laws were so strict then. I, I forgot to look into that, but it would have been highly illegal. They would have at bare minimum been arrested and they would have been tried by, you know, British courts, not not by a, a jury of their peers. So they dressed up like Indians. They boarded three British cargo ships that were in this wharf and they dumped 342 crates of tea into the water. And like I said, if they had been caught, it would have been real bad. So they were they ran to this uh, Sarah Bradley Fulton, her brother's house, and and that's where they kind of hid for a while. And luckily, no one was caught, to my knowledge. So they got away with that's, that. I think that's an interesting aspect of it, and something that I um, just learned recently when I was kind of doing research on it because it was just the 250th anniversary. So I was brushing up on my Boston Tea Party knowledge and. And there's this kind of idea that it was this very spontaneous event, but it wasn't. It wasn't spontaneous. It was well-planned. And and not only was it well-planned, but it was also, um, there was a lot of crowd involvement, right? Like you have to think how even the people who didn't dress up, who didn't physically board the ships and, and dump the tea, they didn't say who it was. They didn't run and go get um, the soldiers and say like, oh, my neighbor, I saw him put on that costume. Like this was a community act. People were supportive of this and they were, um, you know, everybody was, was fed up. It was a, it was a very high stress, um, you know, the, the tax and the, um, being forced to buy this one kind of tea was that, you know, the proverbial straw for these people. And I think you're right. Even if it wasn't an act of treason, certainly the stress, um, between the colonists and the um, British soldiers was was palpable to everyone. So I imagine it would have been um, potentially violent, potentially, potentially pretty bad. One thing that you actually just made me think of is you're right, like nobody ratted on them and not everyone in every community was pro-revolution. Right. So that's right. interesting that even if they weren't like, let's rebel, they were still like, I'm not going to rat out my neighbors, which is funny when you compare it with today with people ratting out their neighbors for not following COVID, you know, restrictions or things like that. But now we rat on each other where it used to be, even if we didn't agree, we protected our communities. Right. So or we protected. Interesting. Yeah, we protected the belief that people should be able to express themselves without fear of, you know, being carted away. I know. When we lived um, during COVID, we were actually living on a military installation. And one of the, right at the very beginning, we locked down really, really hard. And there was like a Facebook page um, dedicated to, you know, just for this installation. It was run by the, the leadership of the installation. And they actually created a phone number and posted it and said, like, if you see your neighbors outside, if you see kids playing together, if you see kids on a park, um, please call this number, call the police oh so goodness. that we can go intervene. And it's like, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, you're the bad guys. Like, how do you not see <laughs> this this horrible path that we're headed down? And people didn't see it. They were really quick to call that number. That just shows you how far we've come. It's it's pretty sad, actually. Um, this One of the reasons, you know, one thing that I think, I hope schools are doing a better job of now, but I know when I was even in college, 
I didn't like that we would learn history, but we didn't learn why that piece of history mattered or like what what it had to do with another part, you know, what happened before, what happened after. Mm-hmm. And with the Boston Tea Party, as I said, this came about, you know, because of the tea tax. But it was also a big deal because this was the first major act of defiance against the British government. Like things have been heating up since really the 1660s. Um, but this was this moment of things are getting to a boiling point. How much longer can we actually go through this? And the and British it government oh, well, and pre- it was coordinated and premeditated, yep. right? So it wasn't them just reacting. It was like, like no, the Boston massacre was the exactly. Boston massacre, you know, was and a little more murky because there was still the like who shot first, you know, right. the whole John Adams thing. So that gets a little trickier. But you're right, this was like a coordinated effort of we're not going to take it anymore. Um, so yeah, this is like this is a big deal, and obviously the British government was not happy about this at all. And so they um, they created what the colonists started calling the intolerable acts because they mm-hmm. were intolerable. And those were actually specifically targeted at Massachusetts. So even though they had to do with everybody in the colonies, it was kind of like a, all right, Massachusetts, you're, you're not falling in line. So there was the Boston Port Act. And that closed a, a port of Boston that just, until the destroyed tea was paid for. So you remember ports, these these areas, that's how you get supplies. That's how you get goods and services. We remember when the supply chain was crazy, when the all those you know ships couldn't get to us and how much that impacted the cost of items and, and things being on the shelf. So imagine you can't get your supplies because you have to pay for this tea and punishing all of Boston for it. It's a collective punishment, which isn't great. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Massachusetts Government Act, which um, basically changed the colonial government structure. So like they didn't have as much local rule. And then there was the Administration of Justice Act, which allowed British officials to be uh, tried in Britain for crimes. And I think that that probably had something to do with actually the Boston massacre, even though we've talked about this before in the show, because it's one of my favorite instances in history was John Adams doing the right thing, even when it was against his interests as a, as a Massachusetts man, because of, um, he defended the British soldiers truthfully and rightly, even though a lot of the colonists, especially Sam Adams, his cousin, just wanted to say they were guilty because they were mm-hmm. British. So he, but that way they weren't actually, if they were British soldiers in Massachusetts, they should have been tried, you know, where the crime was committed, but instead they were letting them go back to Britain. So they were kind of letting them off the hook. They were definitely in front of a court that was going to be more friendly to them. And then there was the Quartering Act, and that was um, what required the colonists. They had to feed and house British soldiers, and that is where we get our Third Amendment, which to people sounds silly now, like no no quartering of soldiers, but there was a reason for that, right? It's because they were doing that. They were The colonists were already suffering from high taxes, and yet they were also having to house and feed British soldiers who were not kind to them. So... It's crazy. And they also, of course, sent more British troops in to intimidate people. But of course, the the good thing about this is the more tyranny that was placed on on the colonists, the more they couldn't take it anymore. And so this was really what set off, you know, what you could call the beginning of the end. This is where it was like, all right, this isn't going to get any better. What do we do from here? And so it's such an important moment in our history because to me, it was almost like you said, Katie, it was so coordinated that it's almost like the first act we did as a country, right? The first act of rebellion right. of, of countrymen coming together. Um, I don't know well, if you have anything to add before we wrap up. I'd love to hear some thoughts. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it was the first time um, that people decided that they were willing to, as a group, risk 
whatever the consequence was, right? They they were less afraid of the consequence than they were afraid of continuing to put up with what they were putting up with. And I think that it's interesting to learn about the Boston Tea Party because I know when I was talking about it with some of my kids the other day, um, my son was like, well, you know, what makes, um, I forget how he asked it, what makes, uh, I don't think he used the word revolution. We were talking about um maybe a conflict in another country. I can't remember now, but he was, he was asking like, well, how do you know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is when there is a revolution or, hmm. you know, makes um, a group, a terrorist group or, or a revolutionary group? Like what, what is the determining factor there? And my husband and I were talking about it with him and it was kind of like, well, you know, if, if you win, then it tends to be that um, you were right is the way that history writes it. And Victories, lose, yeah, write them. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you lose, then you were the insurrectionists or the you know terrorists or however they, they label it. But it is interesting to look at it that way. Like they were a, I mean, could we have called them a terrorist organization? I don't know. But, but they were British citizens. They were governed by Great Britain. And they didn't like it. And so they wanted to change the way that they were living. And they, you know, eventually used violence to do that. And it worked. And now we have this country. But it's an interesting lens to look at, you know, conflicts that we see other places in the world historically that we have seen. And and it's, you know, it's just something to think about. Why do people do things? Why do groups of people rebel or take up arms for a cause that they think is is really important? And and how do we determine if they're the good guys or the bad guys? Because, you know, Great Britain certainly said that we were the bad guys, but we felt so justified in what we were doing. So it's just an interesting thing to think about. I think it's something that, you know, families should definitely talk about as it applies to our history and to the things that we see happening in the world. I'm really glad you brought that up, especially with the Israel-Palestine, uh, you know, conflict going mm-hmm. on right now. And again, like I, Connor, I talked about it and it's one of those things that we're, nobody is going to solve. It's been going on for so long, and both parties, to some extent, are, are to blame. But with Hamas, you know, it's not actually a government. It is technically a terrorist organization, I believe. But to them, they're not terrorists, right? To them, they're revolutionaries to other people. So that's really, really interesting. Um, and sometimes there's not a clear answer, you know? Right. And so that's that's interesting, too. Yeah, Exactly. All right. Well, we will wrap it up there, guys. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye, Brittany. Bye. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.